Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. All right, this is the John Smith Show, and uh, I am your host, John Smith, of course. If you want to be part of the show, feel free to give us a call at 602-475-2000. You can use the live chat as well. Uh, In just a minute, I'm going to bring Tom Shirey on. Uh, He's the Wednesday night uh, co-host for the show, and we're going to be talking about what's going on in the world. But uh, I want to talk about uh, the uh, death of Rush Limbaugh. I'm going to be talking to uh, Tom about that as well. And um, we're going to... uh, kind of just talk about the impact that Rush had in broadcasting. And I would even say podcasting. Uh, but uh, it's a very sad day for conservatism in the United States. Uh, it's a very sad day for broadcasting. But he would not want us to, uh, he wouldn't want us to be sad or depressed. He would want us to continue to fight for the greatest country that was ever created. And of course, that's the United States of America. And, uh, and that's what I plan to do. My, my goal and uh, just everything that this show is about is to continue to fight for what America is and what it was supposed to be. And I will continue to push conservative uh, ideals. I will continue to push conservative opinion. And uh, as long as YouTube doesn't uh, delete me. But uh, without further ado, I want to bring on uh, my co-host, Tom Shirey. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Good, bud. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Like I said, it's been a, a bit of a somber day. Uh, I know you and I were talking off air, and I know that uh, you were pretty tied up today. Sounds like you were pretty busy. You didn't get the news about Rush until later on, right? Right. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, down a Working on a project about a 12-hour day, so didn't get much break. Uh, as I told you, the way I found out is the guy I was working with on site, working on the exterior of the building, actually called me and said, hey, Tom, did you hear, um, you know, rush past? I'm like, oh, well, yeah. wow, what did you say, you know? Yeah, unbelievable. Now, we all we all knew uh, when, when I heard he was diagnosed, when he told the world that he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, uh, we knew, right? Right. Uh, Stage four lung cancer, it's the odds of him surviving and living very long after after that uh, was very slim. But So we knew it was coming, but even though you know it's going to happen, it still hits you pretty hard, you know? Right. Uh, to me, it was still kind of a surprise, too, because whenever he was able to do his show, now he had to have a lot of co-hosts on lately, um, you know, as he's going through his chemotherapy and, and recovering from the chemotherapy. But whenever he was able to make it on the show, you know, he still sounded like Rush. You know, yeah. he still had that confidence. You know, uh, half my brain tied behind my back. You <laughs> That's know? right, just to make uh, it fair. He, he always came with energy every broadcast, even in those final days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just the other day when I was listening, uh, you know, one of his co-hosts were on. and You know, he was giving an update saying, well, Rush isn't here today because he's just recovering from his last chemo, but he's doing good. So I'm thinking, okay, we're good. We're still going to have him around for a while. Um, and then today, just kind of out of the blue, it's like, I mean, not out of the blue. We knew right. it was coming eventually, but, yeah. you know, just really wasn't expected quite yet, I don't think. 
Yeah, I had uh, kind of my suspicions because he hasn't been on the air in over three weeks, I think. And yeah. uh, I just, I kind of had my suspicions that it wasn't side effects from treatment. I felt like it was his, you know, it was his final days. And, uh, and you know, and like I said, um, that doesn't make it easy when you, you know, when, when someone like that, you know, and, and maybe, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. I did have a chance to call into a show a few times and uh, have actually pretty good conversations with him. Uh, mm. You know, and uh, he and that's what I loved about Limbaugh compared to a lot of these other conservative talking talking hits. You know, these pundits that are out there. A lot of them don't know how to handle the callers. They don't know if the caller disagrees the host is in such a hurry to get them off the air or argue with them, you know, but rush was able to have a conversation with anybody and everybody. It was mm-hmm. extremely rare uh, that rush ever got upset with a caller. And the only time he would get upset with a caller is if the caller was just uh, calling in to just, you know, uh, Train berate him. Yeah, him. rattle off a, a, like talking points and stuff like that, yeah. and they not have a, CNN. So they're going to call in with those talking points without any backing to it. And yeah, he would be able to basically tear them apart in their points and, and say, "Well, this is really why you're wrong, and you shouldn't be listening to just one news source." Right. And that was another great thing about him too. Is yes, he spoke the conservative mind, but he never said, "Hey, I am the way." Yes, he was cocky. I'll give him that, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and that's okay, you he know. Never said, no, he never said, you have to listen to me. I am the final word. He would actually encourage you to go out there and find the information that he's telling you for yourself to say, hey, I'm not making this up. This information's out there. Go do your own research and then come up with your own mind. That's right. And and he wasn't a man without flaws, right? We all know that he had in multiple marriages. You know, several mm-hmm. of his early marriages fell apart. Uh, we know mm-hmm. that he struggled with an addiction uh, to painkillers, uh, you know, because of a back injury and this type of stuff. And um, he was doctor shopping and that type of stuff. But uh, it was a short-lived thing. I mm-hmm. think it ultimately impact. That's what impacted uh, his hearing, actually. Uh, and he did go deaf, um, completely deaf. He had the cochlear implant uh, put in so that he could hear callers and stuff like that and still do his show. So he had his, uh, you know, he had his adversity, man, you know. Right. He didn't have, uh, he, he had his own, you know, his own uh, demons, if you will, and stuff like that. But that's what made him human. Right. He, and he never hid from it. He didn't. You know, some celebrities would just, you know, say, oh, well, or have somebody come on the air and say, well, they're going on a, a you know, a scheduled vacation you know, right now. So they'll be back after their scheduled vacation. He didn't hide from it. He came out and told his viewers exactly what was going on, said he would be gone for a while to get this treatment. You know, he never hid from it. He wanted the world to understand that, no, he wasn't a perfect person and let the world decide for themselves how they wanted to view him. Yeah, and exactly. And I think he was able to uh, let people know that your personal life doesn't necessarily impact, you know, doesn't, invalidate what you believe in as far as your conservative, you know, or your political stances. Right. And I think a lot of times uh, conservatives get held to this really high standard. You know, there's a, actually a, a preacher that uh, he just passed away. His uh, name was um, uh, Ravi Zacharias. Are you familiar with Ravi Zacharias? 
No, I can't say that I am. <clears throat> okay, so Ravi Zacharias uh, was a fantastic preacher. He was an apologist. He he was probably the most well-known uh, apologist in the history of, of in modern history. And uh, he impacted millions of people. He, but he had a dark history that, or a dark like side life where he was uh, involved with in precarious situations with women, a bunch of women and things like that. And uh, you know, people were trying to now on the left or trying to invalidate the work that he did in his faith because he had personal struggles in his, in his, you know, in his own personal life. And they do this, they do that to conservatives and Christians all the time. You know, they, they put us up on some such strict moral code that if we do screw up in the, in the least, they want to destroy us. Right. You know, and it's, uh, it's man, I'll tell you what, trying to be a conservative in this country is not easy especially if you're open about it, right? Right. What they don't understand about Christianity is Christianity is about forgiveness. You know, there, there is no perfect human being. You know, we are taught to forgive, you know, but may he who is without sin cast the first stone, right? right. Very famous Bible verse or, you know, saying from the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you do have those old school, you know, um, Baptist types, I, I'm Baptist, so, <laughs> you know, Southern Baptist, you know, you yeah. do have those old school who, uh, you know, they're, they're going to look down their nose at you every, every chance they get, they're going to judge and everything else, but that's not the true values of, of Christian, of the Christian faith. No, not at all. It's yeah. You're going to stumble. We understand that. What makes you better is by recognizing how you stumbled and fixing it. Not making excuses and blaming other people for why you did it. Right. But fessing up and saying, okay, I screwed up here. I'm going to fix it now. Absolutely. And that and that was who Rush was. That mm. was the type of person he was. He was never uh, the type of person that ever said life was unfair and cried about it. He never moaned about anything. He, uh, you know, his, his uh, battles started from a very young age. Because he grew up in a family full of uh, very uh, prominent attorneys. His dad was an attorney. His brother's an attorney. His grandfather was an attorney. And they expected him to follow. That was the family business, was to be an attorney. He didn't want to be an attorney. He, In fact, he left college. I think he did one semester in college and was like, look, this isn't who I am. This isn't what I want to do. I want to be on the radio. I told you off air, uh, one of his... uh, you know, um, inspiration, inspirational people was Paul Harvey. That's who he thought was, you know, he thought he was the man and he just wanted to be the next guy on the radio. And, uh, you know, back in, back in the, that's a hell of a role model to have. Paul Harvey was awesome. Oh, yeah, he was awesome, you know, and that's the rest of the story, that thing, you know? (laughs) And, uh, so he was awesome, but then, you know, and, and so Rush bounced around the city or the country, I mean, from, from city to city. In fact, he was in Pittsburgh, my hometown, uh, back in the day, he was an FM radio DJ trying to get his feet in the door. And he was, he was fired from, he said he couldn't even count how many places that he was fired from, uh, Mm -hmm. just trying to make it because he knew that, uh, every, every job that he got fired from, he said all that meant to me was it wasn't the right place. 
I had to find my place. You know, he worked for, uh, I believe he worked for um, one of the baseball teams. I want to say not St. Louis, the Kansas City Royals. He played, you know, he, I think his dad got him a job for the Royals and he quit the job and his dad was like, what are you doing? You know, like, like you're killing me. And uh, so, you know, he left that job and he just pursued and just worked and worked and worked. And he finally got onto a radio station in Sacramento and uh, that was it. That was the spot. He started gaining a huge following in Sacramento and eventually uh, the fairness doctrine uh, was wiped away with back. I don't know how much you know about this, Tom, but uh, well, we the, talked about it on one of the uh, shows before. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. So the fairness doctrine uh, was legislation that basically said that if you play three hours of conservative, you must play three hours of, you know, opposing point of points of view. And so everything's fair. Right. And uh, <clears throat> so during the Reagan administration, the fairness doctrine went away and thus, opened the door to someone like Rush. He got uh, invited to go to New York City and be simulcast across the country. And that was, that's what started everything. And uh, he grew, you know, at one point he had over 600 AM radio stations. He saved AM radio. If it wasn't for Limbaugh, there would be no AM radio. It would have died. And so he saved it. Uh, And not, not only that, he saved tens of thousands of jobs, these people that worked at the AM radio stations and that owned these stations, you know, had it not been for Limbaugh, AM would have been gone and tens of thousands of jobs would have been gone right off the bat. So he was able to to do these things, you know, shatter these ceilings. And ultimately, he was the first talk radio guy national that left New York City. Mm. And they said, you can't leave New York City. <laughs> you've got to be in New York city. And he said, and that's when he came up with a quote. He said, it doesn't ma- matter where I, you know, where I am as long as I'm here. Nope. And so that was kind of that, that mentality that, that kind of birthed the whole podcast thing. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter where you're at. You mm-hmm. can set a studio. Cause he built a studio in his, in his house down in Florida. And it didn't matter where he was at as long as he was there. As long as yep. he was on the air, and uh, so that that kind of made that that whole podcast mentality, uh, you know. And the great thing about his story is, you know, it really is kind of the the story of, of the American dream and the American spirit, you know. And he was never ashamed to share that story with people. Not at all. Um, when I was uh, when I was driving home today after our, our job today, um, I, I'm a big uh, five fifty fan, uh, KFYI. Mm-hmm. It was the Russell and Hunter show was on. Uh, and it was basically a tribute to Rush and just people being allowed to call in um, and tell their stories about listening and, you know, how long they've been listening. And so many of these stories were about small business owners or, you know, people who didn't get to go to college, who made it big and things like that. And they always gave the credit to Rush because he inspired them. You know, they, they didn't have to settle just because they didn't get this huge education didn't mean they were stuck where they didn't want to or need to be. And, you know, people were just inspired by that story. Yeah, absolutely. And he knew what he was and he knew what he wasn't. Uh, He wasn't a big author. Now he did write a few books. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, that's how I found out about him. A friend of mine in college back in 1992 uh, brought home his book. It was called the way things ought to be. And, uh, 
I said, the way things ought to be, right? I'm looking at this, and I'm a young college kid, and I was a young conservative at Penn State, and I was probably one of maybe 11 out of 40,000 students. You know, we right. stuck out like a sore thumb on the Penn State's campus, and especially if you open your mouth. You know, you just didn't do that. Everybody was being, you know, it was so cool and hip, just like it is today, to be very left-wing and liberal while you were a college student. And right. uh, I just never bought into that. <clears throat> so I pick up this book, and it's got Limbaugh's face on it, and it says, The Way Things Ought to Be. And uh, I said, oh, man, I said, that's, you know, who is this guy? Oh, that's Rush Limbaugh. You never heard of Rush? I said, no, I haven't heard of Rush. And uh, he said, well, you got to read this book. So I opened it and I started reading it. I was like, this guy is putting everything I believe into words in a book. I couldn't believe it. So he inspired me. I mean, I would go to classes it, and I would argue, I'd go toe to toe with all these people, all these left wingers at Penn State. But it was Rush that inspired me to stand up for my beliefs. And that's why I do this show. I'll be honest with you. I do this show because Limbaugh gave me the courage to go out and voice my conservative opinion and not, not let people shut me down. Right. You know, and now that took a lot of time to, uh, to build my knowledge, you know, of what, you know, what true conservatism is, uh, you know, the fact that it's based on the constitution, the constitution mm -hmm. is based on Christianity. As much as people want to argue that today, it's a fact. Um, you know, even if they're, some of the founders weren't quote unquote Christians, they agreed with the Christian philosophies, right? right? The morality, the morality of it. They knew that they couldn't have a, a union without the morals of Christianity. They knew it. And so, you know, it's just like learning about the constitution and learning about our founders and learning, you know, so much about the country and the history of the country and where we went wrong and things we messed up with, but things also the greatness of the country, you know, people aren't swimming from Cuba to Venezuela or anywhere really? else. People all over the world want to come to the United States of America. And Limbaugh knew that. And he wasn't afraid to go out and say it. He wasn't afraid yeah, to go out and say. We have those caravans leaving the country. We have those caravans trying to get into the country. Yeah, there's 11,000 people right now marching up north trying to get into this country. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we suck? Right? No, we're exceptional. That's oh, why they want to yeah. come to the United States of America because the United States of America is exceptional. And by the way, if you are listening or watching and you want to be on the show, feel free to give us a call. If you want to talk about Rush uh, and your thoughts about Rush or your, um, you know, your opinions or his memories of Rush, uh, the number is 602-475-2000. Or you can certainly share your thoughts in the uh, comments section as well. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. But uh, so I read his book, The Way Things Ought to Be. And then uh, a few years later, he came out with his follow-up book, was, which was See, I Told You So. So, you know, like even <laughs> the titles of his book were in your face. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I just loved it. And then there were people that were writing books with Rush Limbaugh's name in the title so that they could sell copies because nobody cared about what they had to say. But I think it was Al Franken that came out with a book that was called Rush Limbaugh's a big fat idiot. <laughs> and the only reason anybody bought the book was because Rush Limbaugh's name was on the cover. And right. so and even those that, that talk bad about him, 
when people didn't even know who he was, you know, uh, Bill Clinton tried to blame him for the Oklahoma bombing. Oh, yeah. And his conservative views and call him out by name, blaming him for the Oklahoma bombing. Right. You know, it, this is at a time when people really didn't know who Rush Limbaugh was. But all these liberals keep trash talking this one man. So everybody wakes up and says, who is this guy? I've got to hear who this guy is. And that actually helped him become the phenomenon. More and more famous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. In fact, uh, Jeffrey Drake has a great question. He says, Paul Harvey and now Rush Limbaugh, sad day. Who's going to take their place? You know, that's a great question, Jeffrey. And I I would say, I don't think anybody will, to be honest with you. I don't think anybody can fill uh, Rush Limbaugh's shoes. I I don't think it's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of imitators out there, and there has been for a long time. Uh, But Rush had a different way, as I, like I was saying earlier, a different way. He didn't have guests. He did his show solo. He always had his call screener, Bo Snerdly, and other people in the studio that he would kind of chat with back and forth, you know, his producers and stuff. But he rarely ever had guests. And I think the 30 years I listened to him, maybe 10 guests, and they were typically very high prominent uh, politicians like Trump, maybe George Bush was on there, Uh, but he did his show. It was his show. It was his opinions. It was all about him. And, uh, and that's why he was the greatest. And his, his, uh, you know, his guests were his listeners because he would take those calls to, you know, ask what people thought, you know, give me your opinion on what I'm saying, you know, because he wanted to have that open dialogue, whether you agreed with him or didn't agree with him. You know, he was, he, like you said earlier, he was not afraid to take on that challenge from, from an opposing side as long as they were willing to listen. Right. You know, and nine times out of ten, he would he would give them a reason to, to, to shut up, you know. <laughs> but one thing I did like about Rush is every once in a while, now it didn't happen often, but every once in a while you would hear him say, you know, you make a good point. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever says that. And I've been saying it for a long time, that the opposite side has a valid point. You have to recognize that that point was made. Now you can follow it up, but think about this as well. (laughs) You know, you can still continue the conversation, but you have to be able to acknowledge that the other side has a point. It may not be correct, or it may not be within your line of thinking, but you have to acknowledge when a decent point or a factual point is made. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> and he was definitely uh, someone that the media loved to hate. In fact, uh, uh, when I first heard of his passing, it was early this morning. Uh, it was uh, when his wife came on the show. She opened the show and let everybody, let the world know that he had died. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and so here on uh, in Arizona time, that was about 10 a.m., I had heard it. And uh, as soon as I had heard it, I immediately went to my Facebook page, the John Smith show Facebook page. And I said, wait till you see the hate from the left, because it's going to come. And, uh, within minutes, Twitter was blowing up one of the, uh, one of the, uh, hashtags. And I, I even hate to say it, but I mean, it's out there. It is what it is. But one of the hashtags was rest and piss. And that was trending. And that's something that Jack Dorsey was allowing to go on. And right. the things that these Hollywood uh, just sycophants were saying about Rush. Just, I mean, think about the worst possible thing 
the most hateful thing that you could say about a human being. And it can't come close to what some of these people were saying about him. Right. And keep in mind, he's got a wife, he's got family, he's got loved ones, he's got, I don't know, 80 million fans. I think 80 million people tune into his show at least once a month or something like that. It's just, it's through the roof. Nobody's even close. You know, as, as much as Crowder wants to say that he's got the biggest fan base, um, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Crowder. The Rush Limbaugh was untouchable. You might now. Steven Crowder might have the largest fan base now, now that Rush is gone, but uh, it, it certainly wasn't anything that could compare to what Rush had. And, uh, you know, it, just the vile things that they were saying and the news reporters coming out and just, you know, just basically saying that he was racist and he was this and just, you know, the typical the stuff, right? Right. It's the same old, you know, the same ammo that they've been carrying around in their, their ammo belt for years. Uh, it's if you disagree with what they have to say, then you're a racist, a misogynist, a narcissist, you know, just the, the same crap, the same crap that they used uh, for Trump for the past four years. And they continue to trash him, you know, and, and I said this, I said, look, I said, be careful because you don't want to use, you know, you don't want to use every hateful thing that you can say right now about Rush because eventually Donald Trump's going to pass away and you want to save some of that hate for him, you know? So, you know, geez. Well, they just recycle it every time. So it, it, it's the same old speech from them every time. They just recycle the same garbage out of their mouth. So over and they're, over they're, again. they're not afraid to just recycle all the crap that they say anymore. And they will. And that's exactly what they'll do when, when Trump passes. But uh, Jeffrey Drake, he says, grown men living in mommy's basement playing COD. I guess that's, uh, is that a video? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. There you go. <laughs> Using internet muscles. That's right. And Jeff's exactly right. Because these keyboard warriors, you know, not one of them would have the balls to show up in your living room and say what they say to your face. No, absolutely not. I'd love no. to see it. <laughs> I would too, John. <laughs> I I would love to see <laughs> I'd love to see a, a raging Tom on a squirrely little liberal. <laughs> that would be I wouldn't film it or anything, but I Let's would enjoy make, every minute of it. <laughs> send two or three. Let's at least make it fair, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know if that's fair. You might have to get four or five. And maybe like a couple hammers or something on their, on their, I don't know. But uh, I mean, I was, I was inspired by him all the time because what he used to say, he said that, you know, he made the complex simple. Mm -hmm. He was able to make politics understandable and easy to understand and easy to grasp. And he, you know, he helped us, uh, with arguments, he helped us see things like gun control and why we have to have gun control. You know, before Rush Limbaugh was on the air, the Second Amendment was, you know, it was always taught that the Second Amendment was for hunting, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Then Rush came on the air and he started talking and all of a sudden you're like, no, wait a minute. You know, everything that I was taught in school is like a lie. You know, because he backed everything up with the Constitution. He backed everything up with facts and uh, very well thought out arguments. 
and so it was great because I would listen to him. Uh, I had a, a women's studies class at, in, at Penn State. <laughs> I had to take it. I didn't want to, but I had to take it uh, for my major. And my major was in criminology. So, of course, I had all types of criminology classes uh, that had to deal with uh, minorities and women's studies and sociology and all this type of stuff. But most of my classes, because I was a late sleeper, were in the afternoon. So I would listen to Limbaugh and then I would go to class and I was armed and ready, man. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. And, uh, and that's when I was a young growing, you know, I knew I was a conservative and I knew I believed and agreed with everything he was saying, but I just wasn't able to articulate the arguments, you know, and he helped me do that. And he helped millions of people do that. Let's see what Casey uh, has to say. He says, I'm not a liberal, but I'll show up on your living room, Tom. We'll have a beer, though. <laughs> I think it's probably a good idea, Casey. <laughs> Come on down, Casey. It's uh, it's warmer down here anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, but, uh, you know, he inspired a lot of people, and I think a lot of people made listening to Rush a daily thing mm. because you get bombarded with such negativity in the news and rush was always positive he was you know he was such a believer in ronald reagan's mentality of we are the shining city on the hill america's greatest days are ahead of us we were not going to let socialism and liberalism beat us you know and uh he always he just encouraged that uh, willingness to not to fight but to stand up for what you believed was right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what a lot of uh, liberals don't realize is that Rush preached conservative ideas, but he would attack the Republican Party just as fast as he would the Democratic Party. Absolutely. He would let you know right away that, look, these lifelong politicians, they're going by a playbook. They don't really have the American people in mind. Every play you see them play out is a playbook that they're using to try. They're, they're only pushing for that next, next election. Right. And he would point that out about the Republican Party as well. Yeah, and he would. And, like, a lot of people would get angry at, like, George Will or somebody. You know, maybe George Will came out and said something stupid on the, on the uh, Stephanopoulos show back in the day with Koki Roberts and, you know, all those people back in the day. You probably don't remember those people. Um, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, even before Stephanopoulos, uh, there was, I, I forget what it was, uh, Brinkley. No, not Brinkley. I can't remember the guy's name. But anyway, um, you know, George Will would say something that maybe a lot of the, like, Rush fans didn't believe. But Rush was always, hey, listen, you know, you know, I understand that he didn't say this, but you know, you got to understand George will is a brilliant conservative person. You know, not everybody's going to get it right all the time. Right. You know, he'd say, except for me, you know, I'm 98 point, <laughs> you know, he always, he would always say I'm 98.6% right. And then the next year it'd be 98.8% right. He was always getting more and more right. You know, he never, right. <laughs> just before he died, he was, he said he was 99.8% right all the, all the time. So, you know, he, he never got to 100%. And that just, that was his way of just showing his, his, he was humble. Right. right. There was just that little bit of chance that he was going to be wrong. So, you know, that, he was just a cool guy. 
and you had to understand his humor to get that type of stuff. Right. You know, a lot of people saw him as arrogant. My wife thinks he was one of the most arrogant people in the world, but I said, you don't, you miss his humor. Yeah. You know, when and I thought the same thing when I first started really listening to him, because most of the time, you know, here in Arizona, he comes on around 10 o'clock, you know, and I'm usually, um, at work doing something. So the few times I got to listen to him was usually between job sites, you know, drive between job sites. So when I first started listening to him, I got that, you know, well, this guy's, you know, he's arrogant, you know, I really don't want to listen to this guy. Right. And then you listen to him more and more and you realize, okay, this is actually just comedy, you know, right. that he's pushing off. You yeah. Know. He like, had... like I said, you know, at the very beginning, you know, the, the half my brain tied behind my back thing, you know, at first it always came off cocky, but you know, you, you realize he's just joking, you know, right. or the, uh, what was his, uh, I feel bad for forgetting about now, uh, uh, talent on uh, loan from God. Yes. You know, and that's why, that's what he, he said it every day. And in fact, he had people call in and say, I don't understand. One of his most famous conversations was with this woman who was so upset that he would say, I have talent on loan from God. She said, that is so arrogant to say, you know, because she took it as he was speaking on behalf of God. Oh, and he was like, no, that's what you don't understand that I'm giving all the credit everything, you know, all, all of my talents and all of my skills and all of my fortune belongs to God. Right. It's just on loan. It, you know, he's loaned it to me because eventually right. I'm going to be gone, you know, and it's, my talent is going to be gone. God's going to take that back. It's just, you know, I'm here for a short time on earth. And, uh, so that was, you know, and then uh, of course you had the mega dittos. I don't know if you remember that, uh, I never caught that because I always hear, I always heard people calling in, you know, while he was sick, you know, mega dittos and prayers to Rush and his family. Yeah. And I never got that. So I hope you're about to explain the mega dittos. Yeah. So back in the, uh, back probably the 30 years ago, uh, maybe even longer, uh, but right around when I started listening to him, uh, he had, uh, he was taking calls and a caller called in and said, Rush, I got to give you mega dittos. And Russia was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, you know, when I, when I give, when you give dittos, that means I agree. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So dittos, like people used to say ditto. Like, I agree with you. So the caller was saying, I'm giving you mega dittos. Like I agree with everything that you're saying and just keep saying it. So that started a trend. And so the callers after him would call in and say, hey, I got to give you some mega dittos too, Rush. You know, in other words, I'm calling to tell you that I agree with everything that you say. Okay. And that's how it started. And it just went, it just went on and on and on. And that, you know, he had those handful of sayings that everybody knows and every, you know, he made famous. And that was, and uh, even like he would take things out of negative reports on him and turn them into a positive. Right. Like someone in LA in the LA times wrote that he was the most dangerous man in America. So he would always start a show, you know, I'm the most dangerous man in America, you know, talent on load from God, half my brain tied behind my back just to make it fair. And so he would, and that, that drove the press crazy because no matter how much they tried to attack him, he would take their attacks and turn it into a positive. 
and then you know it would just roll on and roll on and roll on <laughs> you know someone he, they referred to him as maha rushi you know so that yep. that went real big you know he referred to himself as maha rushi and the conservative institute for or uh, the inst- the limbaugh institute for conservative ideas and you know right. just it just you know he said you never graduate because you're always a student you know you there's no diplomas at the Limbaugh University because you're always learning. You're all, you know, so it was pretty cool. I mean, just everything about him was fascinating. I'm just fascinated by, by his, uh, his whole story, his personal life, his, and everything that he can, you know, was able to uh, accomplish on air. So I don't know, very near and dear to me, you know, my heart. I never, like I said, I never met the man, talked to him twice on the radio uh, as a, as a caller uh, in 30 years, you know, it was almost impossible to get through to his, his, uh, right. number. Oh, I'll bet. I'm not a, I'm not a radio calling guy. Uh, but I, I can imagine that that guy's just backed up for months on calls if he kept going with it. Oh yeah. I mean, if you've got 20 million listeners at any given time, and even if 1% of those people want to call in, that's a lot of people, you know, and when you got maybe five lines, yeah, I was you know, very fortunate to get through a couple times, but uh, yeah. So Limbaugh, he's passed. He's on his way. I don't think anybody will ever uh, um, fill his shoes, but uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know what's what's going to come from the his uh, EIB network, right? You know, I don't know what the future holds there. I don't know if uh, people will continue to fill in for him or. Um, or what? I don't know if radio stations are going to end up dropping the EIB network. I don't know. Who knows? That's a good question. You know, I always kind of, every time a, uh, a host of something drops, you know, they always wind up bringing in somebody else to fill that spot. Um, but that's a good question whether the EIB network is going to be gone or, you know, what are all these, you know, local stations going to do to fill his spot from what, what 10 to 10 to one o'clock every day. Right. Yeah. Yep. It was noon to three on the East coast. In fact, you know, it was funny. I mean, you know, everybody said he was going to fail over and over again. They were talking about, you know, 50 different reasons why his simulcast was going to fail. One of the main reasons they said he would fail is because of his noon to three, you know, when everybody's working, they said, you'll never get listeners. (laughs) And man, you know, there used to be called these restaurants. They used to call themselves rush rooms. And we're going back 20 years, 25 years ago. But restaurants would open and they would play Rush from noon to three in, or wherever they were in the country. May, out here it'd be, you know, 10 to one or whatever. But they would play Rush and people would pack the restaurants so that they could listen to Rush over the radio and eat. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was it was that popular. He had, his, he had a television show, which was not that good. Uh, he was never a really good television guy. Uh, and he didn't like it anyway. So he was the one that canceled his radio or his television show. But uh, I mean, rush rooms were huge. Uh, it was it was the craziest thing. And then, uh, you know, the the left couldn't handle it. The left just hated these places. So of course they would go and protest and cause all kinds of you know hell in these restaurants and and uh, go after the restaurants and try to get them in trouble and shut down and everything. So they they backed away from that, but. Uh, his popularity was huge at the beginning, and it was huge all the way. They said that after Bill Clinton uh, left the White House, or maybe it was, let me think. 
because he was big. No, I think it was after George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, the first Bush. They said after Clinton got elected that Limbaugh would fail because now he has nothing to talk about. He doesn't have his Republican in office to promote, so he has nothing to talk about. Well, he exploded during the Clinton administration. I mean, Clinton was low-hanging fruit. I mean, right. he was a total clown. So that gave that gave Rush so much material. It's just like right now about Biden. I mean, Biden's a walking buffoon. Right. You know, he can come out and just say the stupidest stuff, and it's just great material, you know? Yeah. And the mainstream media is going to praise it all day long. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I, I think one of the most impressive things about Rush and, you know, a lot to say about his, you know, number one, his character and his following is that in today's cancel culture, which we've had for many years now, uh, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And as hated as this man was, he was able to withstand that cancel culture all oh, the yeah. way up to the end. And his popularity only grew. Yeah, exactly right. Jeffrey Drake says construction sites in Arizona played Paul Harvey, Rush Limbaugh, or uh, mariachi music. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, I'll tell you, they're still playing the mariachi music, okay? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, and we get that. We know what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, so his popularity, you know, like you said, was, was huge. And uh, uh, he just kept growing and growing and growing. And he became an extremely influential member, uh, like a quasi-member of the Republican Party, because people were, they knew that his listeners were dedicated people. And they knew, like, they would, uh, the left would always go after Rush personally. And when that didn't work, they went after Rush's... Uh, um, you know, advertisers and that didn't work. And so, you know, in Russia, he didn't have kids. He kept his private life very private. I mean, he would talk about his wife and things like that. Uh, but, um, for the most part, he didn't talk about himself. In fact, he always said that I'm not going to talk about myself. That's not why I'm here. People don't want to hear about me. They want to hear about what's going on in the world and my thoughts about that. Uh, right. so he kept his personal life, uh, you know, very quiet. And uh, so they just really had no way to go after him. And because he owned the EIB network, it's not like he could, they could shut that down. Right. You know, and most of the radio stations, the AM radio stations, they're like, you know, Limbaugh's what saved the station. We're not going to, we're not going to cancel him. We wouldn't even be on the air. We wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Limbaugh. And then, you know, because of Limbaugh, Hannity came and, and Glenn Beck showed up and, uh, you know, just um, that Michael Savage and you name it. All of yeah. these people uh, came out of the woodwork. And next thing you know, all these AM stations, all of a sudden their whole day was scheduled. Right. You know, because of one man. So uh, just just pretty awesome. I, uh, I know that they went after him. You know, they, they'll cherry pick things that he had to say. Uh, and they'll take things out of context. Um, I think what he said oh, about so that song. The clip game. Yeah. They what? They'll play the clip game. They'll just give yeah. you that two-second little clip and say, oh, he's such a bad person. But if you just rewind the tape three seconds, you'll realize what he actually said. That's right. And he said some controversial things. I mean, you know, back, especially back in the, the early days, because 
he was new. I mean, he had no one to follow. He was mm. the pioneer. I mean, he was the point man, right? You know what I'm talking about. He was the guy out in front. And he had no one to follow. He didn't know what, what to do, what not to do, what mistakes, what, you know. And so he was just carving his own path. And, of course, he said some things that were controversial. Maybe he wishes he could take back. But, uh, you know, when you're on the air 15 hours a week for 30-some years. Right. And by himself, having to come up with his own material and right. fill up three hours of time every day just talking. Yeah, somebody's going to say something stupid at some point. Exactly right. I mean, it's just the odds, right? You know, right. you're you're going to roll snake eyes eventually. If you roll the dice enough, it's going to happen. Right. Uh, he says, you think Alex Jones will try to move up now? I feel he's too loud and obnoxious. Yeah, Alex Jones is, you know, he's, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's... Uh, he's the InfoWars guy, right? He's the InfoWars guy. He's a little bit out there. I don't think he'll ever be able to get, gather a, a, a listenership like... No. I th- I definitely think there's more talent out there that could fill his time slot. Yeah. Nobody will ever be able to fill his shoes or his seat. Nobody will ever be able to hold that golden microphone. That's you know, right. To his, you know, but th- there's there's talent out there that I would like to see um, fill that whether you go a comedic route like a I'm gonna butcher his name like uh, Greg Gutherfield. Oh yeah, from, from Fox you know, News. Yeah, so you know a little comedic version there, or you know you mentioned Stephen Crowder. You know he's a funny guy. I like listening to him, but it's too comical and too um, you know not really serious. Um, you know Glenn Beck. I like listening to Beck. He's got more of that serious um, serious. Here's the news. Here's the Here's the, you know, what's going on stance without the comedy, you know, there's a lot of conservative talent out there Mm -hmm. and a lot who have held strong to those conservative values, even while being under attack. So I I think there are people out there that could fill that time slot. They're never going to fill a sheet, but I think they could fill the time slot. No, I agree. Uh, I would love, (laughs) and this is just me, uh, but uh, someone, oh, geez, her name just fell out of my head. Um, Oh, geez. She's the, the young, uh, she started the Blexit. She's the young uh, black girl that's really popular. You know what I'm talking about? Candace Owens. Candace Owens. I would yeah. love to see Candace Owens come on that and do a show. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Someone like that. Because Beck's already got his time slot. Hannity, he drives people crazy. And, you know, the rest of them, I just don't see one, I don't see one of them wanting to take his position. I think, right. you know, it's kind of like a, a great quarterback. You know, when when uh, someone like Tom Brady eventually retires, these other, like, really well, like, top quarterbacks aren't going to try to fill his shoes. So, John, I have to ask real quick. Yeah. As a Steelers fan, how hard is it for you to keep bringing up Brady as the GOAT? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm a realist, okay? I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I may not like Brady as I think he's always kind of come across as a crybaby and things like that sometimes on the field. Uh, you know, he always seemed like a poor sport to me. That aside, there's never been a better quarterback to play the game. You can't, you know, and if you're going to try to argue that, and I see some people trying to say, you know, other quarterbacks were better, this, that, the other thing. 
look, he was in the, he's been in the NFL. What? Uh, I, I think it's been 21 or 22 years and yeah. he's been in the Super Bowl 10 times. Right. Half. I mean, he's got a 50, 50 shot of showing up in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, when there's 32 teams in the league or whatever there is, he's got a 50, 50 shot of being in the Super Bowl. How can you deny the guy? You, you just can't. And it's, yeah. you know, you can't let your personal, like your opinions of the guy as far as his personality goes. And that's where, that's kind of how rush was, you know, people let their opinions of the guy, uh, you know, just bring hate, bring their hate out. And it's crazy, man. Right. It's and 90% of those people who, you know, hate him probably never listened to one show. Mm-mm. Probably never even gave him the benefit of a doubt just to go in and see what all this hate is about. They just hate him from what they've heard. Right. And, and what they're told. To hate. Right. I, I've had, I've had multiple conversations on Facebook today because there's people that are just, you know, people that I consider my Facebook friends mm-hmm. uh, were trashing Limbaugh today. And I'm like, how many episodes have you, did you listen to? I didn't listen to one of the, I wouldn't give that guy five minutes of my time. Oh, so you don't know. Yeah. And like you said, when you first listened to him, you thought he was arrogant, right? And a lot of people do, but if he always said, listen, uh, listen to my show. I, I, I forget what he used to say, like for two weeks or three weeks, just give me three weeks, listen to my show every day for three weeks and then make your opinion about me later. Yeah. And, uh, because after three weeks, you're like, oh, this guy's actually pretty intelligent and he's kind of funny. And, you know, all of a sudden you realize he's not that person who everybody said he was. But that's how we are now anyway. The country is so divided and it's, and it's, I don't think it's the conservatives who are dividing this country. I really don't. I know there are some people uh, that give conservatives bad names, but mm. I really don't think the conservatives, I think the conservatives would, would work with the left if they had the opportunity to do that. I don't think the left would give us the time of day at all. Well, no. And we saw that. I mean, there was an opportunity for the left and right to work together with the whole Robin Hood issue, you know, when that came up Yeah, and you had actually two very polar opposite people Agree with each other. And we're talking about AOC and Ted Cruz. Right. That's a perfect example. They completely agreed on the issue. But AOC says, no, I'm not working with this man. He tried to have me murdered. Even though she wound up not even being in a damn building. But Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. That I mean, for Ted Cruz, who is probably one of the most conservative members in the Senate, for him mm-hmm. to reach across the aisle into the other chamber, no less, into the house and say, AOC, I'm glad we both agree we have found common ground. Let's work on this. Let's work on some legislation together. Let's get this done. Right. He was willing to extend the olive branch, and she accuses him. Her response is to accuse him of trying to murder her. I mean, come on. How do you work with that? She's a freaking child. She's Very a child, much. and you can't work with that. You can't. You cannot. You can't. You can't expect. Still, to... I am still in disbelief that that woman got reelected. I, I, I 
still cannot believe that. Yeah. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> my faith in elections is about this big right now, Tom. Right. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't, uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the system right now. And, uh, but I mean, also her district is full of a bunch of knuckleheads. Right. You know, they're just a bunch of people looking for handouts and, and, uh, and she's the one that's dishing out the handouts. She wants to give the $50,000, you know, uh, whatever it is for student loans. Uh, you know, she just wants to wipe out 50 and even Biden came out and said, I'm not doing it. And now AOC is all pissed at him. All she does, she spends her whole life pissed off at somebody. Right. That's what every day she's upset or pissed off at somebody. Yeah. Didn't she take on Pelosi a while back? She did. She wanted, yeah, she was talking about overthrowing her in the house. I mean, she's a nut. And the people that are, that are just miserable and so unhappy with life every day. And then you've got, the exact polar opposite we're talking about him today is Rush Limbaugh, who was dying from cancer. He knew he just had days, weeks left. And he was coming out talking about how great the country is and that even even though Biden won, you know, our, our greatest days are still ahead. Right. What a different way to look at life. And I, I really think that's that's, you know, conservatism versus liberalism in a nutshell. Liberals are just unhappy people, and they're very I don't, immature. I, I don't see any of them who actually show any affection or any love for the country. You know, they, they, they hate the country itself. They think the idea of America is repulsive. They find our flag offensive, and I just cannot understand that. Now, sure, as a conservative, we can sit there and say, yeah, there's things that need to be fixed. We need to work on fixing a few things, but we're still out there waving that flag every day, still saying God bless America every day. We yeah. still love this country, even though we know we're still not perfect. That's right, because but we recognize. Absolutely find it repulsive. Yeah. Everything except our benefits. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we see the country as exceptional. We see the United States as an exceptional country. We have cured polio. We have cured multiple diseases. We're the ones that stepped up and got this vaccine and all this for the the current COVID, all this other crazy stuff. We've invented the automobile. We've invented the light bulbs. We discovered electricity. We changed the world. And this country has generated trillions of dollars and has dug more people out of poverty than any other country could ever imagine to do so. And that's right. why thousands and tens of thousands of people want to come to this country every single day because we are exceptional. And the rest of the world knows it. And for some reason, these pinko fascist liberals hate this country. They don't see us as, as exceptional. In fact, they see us as the exact opposite, like you were saying. They want to find faults in every, sing, every single thing that this country does. We're inherently right. racist. We're, you know, white privilege. It, you know, this country is only for the white people. This country, this, that, and the other thing. And it's absurd. They can't even so see it. it. And even, you know, going back to the Brady conversation, they actually accused him of being racist for winning the Super Bowl during Black History Month against a half-black quarterback. Right. 
Give me a freaking break. I talked to uh, Tyke about that on Monday night. And uh, I said, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion that there's probably a few black folks on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, <laughs> I got to salute Tom for winning the Super Bowl for them. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, they just don't see it. It's because yeah. they don't want to see it. The fact that you even have to defend somebody who played their heart out to win the biggest game in the nation, that you have to defend that against racism? It's insane. How far gone are these idiots? Critical race theory teaches that everything in your life, every decision you've ever made, every friend you've ever made, every job you've ever had, every everything is based on race. Right. That's what critical race theory teaches. So if you're yeah. a white man or a white woman, whatever, or a white uh, non-binary, <laughs> you name it, you have some sort of privilege. You have some sort of racial hatred for minorities, and that drives every decision in your life. They right. believe that, and that's what they're teaching our children right now in schools yeah. all over the country. Yeah, another thing I am getting so sick and tired of is I'm not going to pretend to be the blind guy who says that there is no racism in this country. There are still racist people in this country. That's right. It is sad. I feel bad for them. They're ignorant. They don't understand, you know, just people in general. But here's the problem, guys. It's not just coming from white people. Right. It's coming from the other side, too. But they only want to talk about it coming from the white side. Yeah, because they believe, they say that white people have all the power. And so they tie power into racism. So they, by definition, only white people can be racist. So right. that's why it's okay to have a Black History Month and not a White History Month. Because they say every month is White History Month. Right. And, you know, they... You know, you can't, you can have a black beauty contest, black Miss America, but you can't have a white Miss America contest because but there's a commercial on TV right now with this black woman on there. And she literally says, I'm in a position to hire people who look like me. How is that not racist? How is that allowed? She has power. Obviously, if she's the one that's doing the hiring, right? Right. She must have some sort of power. So yeah, how and is this is a national commercial? Unbelievable! It, it enrages me every time I see these things. Uh, Jeff says it's sad that integrity, honor, accountability, God, hard work, and freedom are hated by the left. They want everyone to feel sorry for them. Always the victim. Always somebody else's fault. That's absolutely. That's so true. It's you know like. AOC, when she came, when I think Donald Trump or somebody said during the, um, I think it was during the primaries, uh, so I can't remember, but somebody came out and said, you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, and AOC said, well, that's physically impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, <laughs> yeah. How can anybody pick themselves up by their bootstraps? It's physically impossible. Like, they don't see the disadvantaged workers, you know. 
the, you know, their white privilege, this, the, it's just, they, she has taken it to a level of such stupidity that, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. I, I, like you said, how did she get elected in the first place? And then how did she get reelected and why does she have so much power? Why is the media so afraid of this woman? Right. I, I mean, she is as dumb as they come, and I don't understand. Well, because at this point, if if anybody, including the media, says anything negative about a liberal or a Democrat, they're going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just today, uh, so Kamala Harris came out and was talking about the vaccine program. Is it Kamala or Kamala? I, there's like three, four different ways. I don't Every want... way, either way I say it is going to be racist. That's so exactly. I'm say, no. <laughs> That's what I was you know. say. But your white so privilege is showing, Tom. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my white privilege card. I'm going to um, pull that out. All right. But, so she comes out. She's talking about the the vaccine distribution and saying that there was no stockpile, there was no plan. They had no vaccines when they took office. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Biden she said came that. Out, these, these were actual words out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. She was fact-checked, right? And they said, well, no, you're not starting from scratch. There were supplies, everything else. So somebody actually took the took, took some balls and fact-checked her. Right. The fact-checkers got so much guff, they took down the fact-check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. That's the world we live in, buddy. That's it. Yeah. You cannot say anything negative about any liberal or Democrat. Yeah. Jeffrey says AOC is dumb as rocks, but what's scarier is the rocks that voted for her. Yeah. No kidding, mm-hmm. man. I'm telling you, I, I don't understand it. You know, and uh, Jeffrey, like I said earlier, I don't know how much faith I have in the election process. So maybe she won, maybe she didn't, but uh, who knows, right? You never know. Apparently, uh, apparently, we well, all. John, you can't ask that question or we're going to get kicked off YouTube again. Well, we, yeah, apparently, I know. And I don't want to do that because I got Sheriff Lamb coming up on the 26th. He's going to be I can't here. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you're going to be in studio with me, right? Yes, absolutely. All right, good. I don't, I don't care if you're working in Tucson that day, you're taking a half day. <laughs> you're gonna... I will be there. I would not miss that for the world. I've already told my wife, told all my friends, told all my family. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, I can't wait to that man's hand good because i i just wanted to plug him real quick uh everybody knows this guy this is sheriff lamb he's the sheriff of pinnell county he is going to be live in the say what you will radio studios on february 26th that's a friday it's going to be at 6 p.m and uh, you'll probably recognize him from live pd he was on that show they followed him around on live pd uh and uh, he was also on live pd wanted with tom morris as the host and uh he's been all over the place so he's a, are we going to be able to ask him about his 60 days in season? Sure. We can, I asked him, <laughs> I asked him if there was I got, a, I got a few questions why he didn't butt a couple heads together. And I kept <laughs> expecting that throughout the whole season. <laughs> I haven't watched it. So I got to cram that in. I got to, yeah. <laughs> I got to watch how many, I don't know how many episodes there are, but I got to cram it in. So I know what I'm talking about, but uh, I'm a huge fan of him. He's just a, just a good guy. I mean, he's, he gets into like on live PD, he would get into kind of domestic issues and he was able to calm people down just so quickly and so easily. So he's one of those guys that can walk in and just command the room and not do it 
in a you know aggressive way. He's just fantastic. Right. So, but yeah, we can talk to him about that. We can talk to him about anything. I want to talk to him about policing and the the current you know current state of America. What's it like being a sheriff in a county that's just you know a pathway for illegals? And with right. you know with what's going on you know in the Biden administration as far as him just letting everybody go, you know, just freeing everybody up. And mistaken, uh, let me know if I'm mistaken, but he was one of the first ones to come out and say that uh, they're this whole mask fiasco, that he's not going to sit there and turn legal citizens or, uh, you know, law-abiding citizens into criminals because of a mask. Yeah. Or I something believe. along those lines, I believe. I, I'll have to do a little research. I <clears throat> uh, Maybe a lot of research. The guy's going to be in my freaking studio in my house. So, right. Yeah. Oh man. I'm a little, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be a big interview, but, uh, we are professionals and we're going to handle it professionally. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Should I wear a tie? Should I wear a tie over my fast concept shirts? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be perfect. <laughs> a po- a polka dot. If you could, if you got one, <laughs> I think he's going to show up in his, his big, uh, uh, cowboy hat. And uh, I actually got him a brand new set of earbuds, and I, I'm ready, man. I'm, I, I don't want him to have to take his cowboy hat off to wear these, so I got him a right. set of brand new in the box earbuds, all nice and safe nice. and clean. And uh, yeah, so I'm ready. I'm ready. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, me too. So anyway, uh, that's probably all I got for tonight. I just, uh, I just wanted to dedicate the whole show, basically. Uh, to one of my heroes, of course, that's uh, Rush Limbaugh. If you just joined us, we've been talking about him and what a just what an amazing story he is. And I don't think I don't think Rush had any regrets when he left this earth today. I really don't. He was a solid, God fearing Christian man who made his entire dream come true. Everything he wanted to do, he got uh, you know he was able to accomplish it. Uh, Jeff says Friday at six. That's going to be Friday. The 26th at 6, right here on this YouTube channel or the Facebook page, whichever. Uh, just uh, share it, if you can, on your own personal uh, uh, social media sites and that type of stuff. If you don't mind, put it out there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So, Jeff, we inv- invite you to be there. And I'm going to have the chat open, too. So um, if people want to ask uh, Sheriff Lamb questions, uh, we could do that for sure. You know, one thing I want to uh, say about Rush, you know, before we call it a night here, is you can honestly see how much he loved his audience. Yes. You know, he got his, he got his cancer diagnosis almost a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Many people, they get that diagnosis. They're going to take that year to take care of their bucket list, you know, go travel, go see the world. But no, he did it doing what he loved. And was on air every day he could. Uh-huh. That was it. His audience was his life. The yeah. people that worked for him was his family. He had no kids. He has no children. And uh, let's see here. Jeff says, watch Family Guy episode with Rush. At the end, uh, he flies <laughs> off on a bald eagle. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> That's awesome. That was a great episode. I never they saw it. They didn't want to make fun of Rush, but he did great in it. Because it was actually Rush doing the voiceover for it, too. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> 
Yeah, but uh, you know, he had no no kids. Uh, he had his wife. He had a couple ex wives. But you know, when he died, I, I you know the estimate is that he has about five hundred million dollars in the bank. Like you said, he could have done anything. He had no right. kids to leave that money to. Um, he he could have traveled the world. He could have, you know, he could have joined in. You know, he could have bought a NFL team. He could have done whatever. But it was his audience that he cared about. And it was, that was it. Every day he showed up to work. He couldn't wait until, till noon on the, you know, uh, Eastern standard time to get the show going. And he always said it's the fastest three hours in media. And it was, if you were a listener, three hours is a long time. You know, people right. probably listen to my show and, and are sick of me in 10 minutes, but <laughs> people listen to rush and they would listen to rush for, you know, three hours a day, every day. And, uh, he just, he just had that uh, likability factor, and he was just a special kind of guy. So he will be missed, and uh, I'm just going to ignore the uh, pests on the left. You know, I'm so glad I deleted Twitter. That was a that was a freeing moment for me. Yeah. You know, I uh, I wanted to delete Twitter. I didn't want to Twitter to delete me. So, uh, <laughs> and I just I, I just don't want to see that crap. You know, and uh, I, I just. I don't want to be submersed in hate. It's not, that's not the type of life I want to live. So anyway, Tom, I appreciate you coming here and, uh, you know, dealing with my ramblings today. And uh, I always uh, appreciate your input and uh, let's just keep focused on the 26th share flam. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. And I always look forward to being on here and uh I'm glad we got back to doing it, you know? Yeah. Right? We never got to say, hey, welcome back from the vacation, buddy. That's right. I'm glad you're back. Yeah, <laughs> and it's good to be back. It was nice to be away for a while. You know, you get trapped in the house. You tend to go a little bit crazy. Uh, Jeff Drake uh, says, good night, gentlemen. Got to be up at four. Oh, go to bed, Jeffrey. Go to bed. But, I'm right uh, there with you, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. I'm not up that early, but it's close. About 5.30 I get up. But anyway, uh, so yeah, we had to get out of the house and go see her parents, and uh, we made the most of it. So maybe one of these shows I'll talk about all the different things that uh, I got to see on the way there and way back. But uh, love this country. We live in an awesome country. Don't trap yourself in your little bubble. Get the hell out of your bubble. Go visit the Grand Canyon, Tom. And, I will. Uh, yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, and... Just if, you know, people that are listening or watching, if you get a chance to cross this country, you know, not in a jet, I'm talking about in a, in a rental car, whatever, take your car and go visit. This country is awesome. It's beautiful. There's amazing people out there. And uh, don't buy what the left is, is preaching. Uh, this is not a bad country. This is a great country. And uh, it's a gift from God, in my opinion. And we're all blessed to be part of it. Absolutely. And on that note, I'll uh, go ahead and end the conversation. Tom, I'll see you next Wednesday. If I don't talk to you beforehand, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks, Jeff uh, Drake, for being in the room. Same with Casey. Uh, thanks for uh, participating in the chat. We appreciate that. It makes it uh, that more fun. And uh, like Russia's show, this show is nothing without the listeners. So we appreciate you being here and being part of it. Until next time. Take care and God bless. God bless God America. Bless.